We are in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, and this is the chapter on faith. So if you want to learn about what faith looks like, you go to this chapter. There is not a definition of faith here, but it's the characteristics of faith. If I were to define a chair, I would say it's a chair is something that people sit on. But it, but uh, if you want to describe a chair, you can take a certain chair and you can say it has four legs, it has arms on it, and it's such it's a gray color or brown color, and it's it's it has a back and and uh, so so the characteristics of faith is what he's going through in this chapter. This is the picture of men and women of faith, and this is a picture that we want to begin to acquire because we learn. By looking at the lives of others. This is how we learn. By looking at the lives of others. And when I think about the men of God that have poured themselves into my life. And there's four men in particular. I learned from them patterns. And from several of them I learned patterns of what faith looks like. But let's begin here in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. So faith is this assurance of things hoped for. So there's an assurance, a conviction, a reality when we take hold of something by faith. And it says by it men of old gained approval. So remember what the book of Hebrews is about. The book of Hebrews is trying to keep believing Jews who are living around Judea from going back into Judaism because the persecution is hot and heavy upon them. And it's increasing each day. And they think that if they go back into Judaism, that they can avoid the persecution. And then after the persecution subsides, then they could go back to being believers in Jesus the Messiah. And he says, you don't have that option. Because if you go back into Judaism, you're going to end up in Jerusalem. There's the judgment that is coming and you will die. Not that you will die spiritually, because once you're saved, you're going to be saved, but you're going to die physically. It's all about physical destruction. And he says, you don't have that option here. He says in verse 2, for by it men of old gained approval. Approval with God is gained through faith. We are not talking about saving faith. We are not talking about the faith that we, 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 we believe that Jesus And confess that he's Lord and believe that he's risen from the dead. That's saving faith. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a faith, the characteristics of faith, which is a walk in in our lives. How do we walk? And what he does is he drops before us examples of people. And it is great to have examples of people that we look at that are ahead of us in their walk with the Lord. That demonstrate for us what it means to walk in faith. And you want to choose the right people. To be your example. Not that anybody is perfect. But even as Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. And he's then showing us. People who lived by faith. In verse 2. For by it men of old gained approval. So you see that by faith. We gain approval. Then he says in verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared. By the word of God. So that that which is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Oh, ho, hum. We want to just go by that. In my world, that's a really powerful verse. Because in my world, you get confronted with, what's the origin of the universe? What's the origin of life? 
how did, how did, how did we get here? All from the scientific perspective. How do you deal with these issues? And this one verse is just packed with information for us. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. What is the word? The word is information. Remember we've said the primary is the information. The matter is secondary. Matter comes second. So in other words, he says that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. It says in John chapter 1. That the Word was with God and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Information. And then in verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then it took on matter. It is like this. If you have a cell, but it doesn't have an ordered pattern to its DNA, just put a bunch of nucleic acids together, it does nothing. But there has to be a pattern. That pattern instills information that talks about how that cell is going to be built. The chemistry that's going to go on in that cell. It's all based on a pattern of information. You can have all the components of a cell, but if you don't have those nucleic acids in a proper order, none of the machinery works. It just doesn't work. You start with the word. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. The Word comes first. You have to have the defining laws of the universe before the universe can form. In my world, this is really an important thing. I mean, this is scientist talk, so just ride with me for a while. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So right away, he reveals to us that when he created the universe... It was made from things which are unseen. Now, was that atoms? Atoms are unseen. Or was that subatomic particles? But it was this bringing together of smallness, things we can't see, to being something massive. You see why I enjoy this verse so much? Most people just blow by this. To me, this is like, wow. I spent a week in this verse. He says, by faith we understand things that others don't understand. The world doesn't know. The world doesn't understand. By faith, we understand these things. Then he gives us an example. Here's our first example of a specific person. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So up in verse 1 and 2, we had, by faith, we gain approval. In verse Three, it says that, that uh, uh, he, that in, in verse three, it talks about how by faith we get understanding. We get understanding of things that the world just doesn't understand. And by, in, in verse four, it says that, that faith brings about righteousness. Faith brings about righteousness. The beautiful thing about the Word of God is it instructs us on how to live. On how to live. You think about that. That's huge. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? How should I live? What should I say? You know, when I, when, I was, uh, when I was a teenager, my brother, who's two years older than me, I just wanted to act like him. You know, to me, he was cool, you know, and, and I wanted to try to be like him. And I wanted to act like him, but he had some really bad habits. And I kept getting into trouble by acting like him. And saying the things that he would say would get me in real trouble. What is the model for us by which we should live? 
And that's what the scriptures put before us, that if we live by this model, it will go well. This is something that is huge for us, that we have the pattern by which we can live and have a fulfilled life. This is the pattern. He says, I'm going to put before you a man named Abel who offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. So he offered a sacrifice and it was better than Cain's sacrifice. Cain was his brother through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. So the offering resulted in his being called righteous by God. God is calling him righteous. God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So let's turn back to Genesis chapter 4. This is the, the reference that the writer of the book of Hebrews is keying in on. So you see that this was not written to a bunch of Gentiles. This was written to Jews, people who knew the Lord. Because if it had been written to a bunch of Gentiles, it'd be like Abel, Cain, uh, and they wouldn't know what he's talking about. But these people had the Tanakh. They had what we call the Old Testament. And they understood this story. So let's look in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now the man, this is, that's Adam he's speaking about. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Adam and Eve had one son and then another son. Now they had many other sons and daughters, the scriptures say, many others. But these are the first two. Their first child is Cain. Their second child is Abel. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel was a keeper of the flocks. That's what the scriptures tell us. Now there were many offerings in Israel that were offerings of grain. They had grain offerings. It wasn't just blood sacrifices. There were many sacrifices that were, that, that were grain offerings. Cain was a tiller of the ground. And, and, and Abel was one who kept the flocks. Then it says in verse 3, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel on his part brought, also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So that was the first murder recorded in the Bible. That is the firstborn son of Adam and Eve became a murderer. That is a marriage, Adam and Eve, that had to have been ordained by God. God brought them together. God created them both and made Eve specifically for Adam, and their firstborn child ends up as a murderer of their secondborn child. So just because God has brought you together in a marriage, if you don't develop that marriage properly, it can result in a real mess. It is not just feeling that God is bringing you together with a person. A marriage takes work. 
But let's get back to the topic at hand. It says that Cain brought an offering. Now, maybe this suggests that the offering should have been a blood offering. But remember, Cain is a tiller of the ground. What he has is he has grain offerings. So he brings it. But look at Cain's offering. It says of his offering that so it came about in verse three. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground in the course of time. After some time of passing, it wasn't the first fruits. In the course of time, he brought it. Abel, on his part, brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. We are called upon to give to the Lord. Now, I feel very confident in saying this to you because I don't get a penny of what you give to the church. Not one penny. So I feel very confident in sharing this with you. So you don't think, oh, he's trying to get my money. I don't want your money. None of it comes to me. But for your sake, as a believer, you must learn to give. You must learn to be gracious. And if you give that which is left over, it is like an offering from Cain. That which is left over. Abel brought from the first of his flocks, the first harvest there was of the flock, that he brought to the Lord. The first check that I would always write was to the Lord's work, was, was the, the tithe to my local church. Always. Now it's all you know, set up electronically and bing, it goes. I, I, don't, I don't know in the progression, but it's within a nanosecond of all the other things that go. But it's the firstlings that go. This is the pattern. What made his offering different? What was it? This guy's bringing the firstlings. The other, thing, the other one was over the course of time. And then God says to him in verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So now he's turned into a liar too. So he's gone, he, 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 murderer and a liar. Sin just, just piles up. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So that's the story that he's referencing. So let's go back to Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. God approved of this offering and said, this man is righteous. This man is righteous. Imagine God proclaiming somebody righteous. I mean, the guy had to be pretty good. Well, what did he do that was so different? He took that which was first and he gave it to the Lord. Because that's an act of faith. It's not what's left over. I paid all my bills, Lord. Now what's left over I give to you. There's no faith in that. The faith is, I take from the beginning portion and I give it to you. Do you see, as believers, we are called to things that are a higher level than what the world calls of us. God expects more from us than He does people of the world. If we're bringing offerings to God, let it be an offering, like the offering of Abel. This is not my example, this is His. This is the example that the scriptures put before us. And he says, this is what righteousness is. Faith, this sort of faith offering makes us righteous. You want to know what brings righteousness? It is walking in faith in an offering to God. 
And he says, though he is dead, he still speaks. What does this mean? Well, remember it says, his blood is crying to me from the wilderness. From, 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 from crying to me from the ground. His, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Maybe that's part of what it means. But though he is dead, he still speaks. I think of the men that have poured themselves into my life. Of the four men that did, during my young age, when I was your age, that poured themselves into my life, three of them have now, have now gone to be with the Lord. But I find myself so often saying the very words that they said to me, I say to you. Though they are dead, they still speak. The patterns that we learn of godliness can continue on. When I see patterns that you guys pick up, like inviting people in your home and having them in, this to me is beautiful. This is, this is what he does. And these patterns. So look in, look in uh, uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And verse 8 says, Jesus told his disciples, he said, Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Do the works that you saw me do. I send you out. He didn't just say heal the sick without having demonstrated to them what it was to heal the sick or to raise the dead, or to cleanse the lepers, or cast out demons. He says, you do the works that you've seen me do. He said, freely you received, and freely you give. When I see young people having people into their home, into their room, and giving freely, no charge, freely you received, freely you give. When I see them in a pattern of generosity, I give praise to the Lord. Because the very patterns that Shireen and I learned, we do and then other people see it. This whole thing about having people into our home. Where did we get this? There was a man named Dr. Koshi, who was our pastor. We learned from him how he did this. And then we just follow the pattern that he did. He never had an offering thing in his house. Never. Freely he received, freely he gave. When we learn to be generous, you follow that pattern. This is what he's saying. You take the first of your fruits and you follow that pattern and it brings righteousness in your life. You want to know how to live? You want to know what's going to bring a fulfilled life? It's this pattern. It's a pattern like this. Freely you received, freely give. This is what he calls us to. Then I think of the patterns that I saw, these patterns of faith in men's lives. I was once at a meeting and these were... Many, I, you know, I was discipled by, by Christian Indians, Asian Indians who were Christians. Deep, excited, passion for the Word of God. And there was a, we had a, a what we called a Christian convocation, a gathering. And I remember one morning, it was just, a, just your age. And there was an old Indian missionary that used to work, that, that uh, labored in the Himalaya mountains. And uh, there was a British missionary who came in and he was talking about some computer programs. Now, this was 35 years ago, so it was very crude computer programs. But he was talking about how the whole world would be evangelized by such and such a date, which was not far off. This old Indian missionary then got up and he said, 
I don't know about these programs you're talking about. But if you come to where I work, I walk into a town, I say, are there any Christians here? The man says to me, I don't sell those, but maybe at the next town up there. He had no idea. There's no Christian witness. Well, this old Indian, one day at the meeting, we would, several of us would gather early for prayer and it was raining. And, this, and we were all on our knees praying. This guy was too old to get on his knees. And he started praying. He says, Lord, it's raining. The believers are going to start waking up. And in their dormitories, we were staying on a college campus, they're going to have to walk through the rain to the meeting. Lord, clear away the rain so they don't have to walk through the rain. It was amazing. This cloud started going back and poof, the sun is shining in. It was nothing to this guy. I mean, this is way the guy lived. This was faith demonstrated to me. When Shireen and I were just before we got married, I had, I had already been at graduate school for a year and and uh, uh, we were already engaged, and, and, and then I went back to New York. We got married, and I was bringing her back with me to, to graduate school. And I had prayed that the Lord, we were moving into married student housing, and you don't get to choose which apartment you're going to get. No choice. You just, and, and you don't even put in a suggestion. I mean, back in those days, they, they didn't care. You were just a number. I mean, you didn't have a dean of students. I never heard of a dean of students. Nobody protected you. And... and uh, um, I prayed that we would have an apartment on the ground floor of a building at the end of the building so that we could hand food out and that there'd be a few picnic tables. And I prayed for this. Well, we got a marriage student housing apartment that was on the ground floor, end of the building, <clears throat> and there was a whole park called Squirrel Park that had gazillion tables, picnic tables, and a whole covering and swing sets and so We were right there. I remember one of our early gatherings we were having, we were having a group of international students. Our pastor was a professor in entomology, and he had a bunch of North African students that were visiting for that summer that he was teaching, and he was going to be bringing them in to a picnic for our class, and they were out doing some, some uh, 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 work in the fields learning about uh, entomology. And um, as we're setting up, it's raining. And I said to the, the young believers there, and, and there were unbelievers amongst us too. I said, let's just pray that the rain goes away. And it was forecast rain everywhere. The skies were just black. And we got on our knees and we prayed. I'd seen this thing now. We got on our knees and we prayed. And guess what happened? The sky opened up and the sun started shining in. The vans pulled up. My pastor came out. He said, I don't know what's going on. It is raining everywhere except here in this park. It didn't rain that entire time, and as they started getting back in the vans, well, thank you. As they started getting back in the vans, then the rain started to come again. I've seen this with my own eyes. I've seen these sort of things when I was your age. And it continues. I see these things. There are places of faith that we step out in, that we walk in. Shireen and I were staying in, a, in, in the apartment of a very kind uh, older woman in Israel this, this, these past couple of weeks. And, and she, she's, a, she's a bit 
sensitive, this, this old lady, and I, and I could tell just as, as the day was approaching that we were going to be staying in her home. How long are you guys going to be staying? And, uh, and, and, and she was a bit of a mother too. You know, I'd go out with a, you know, I'd be coming out of the room with a shirt to go out and she'd go, you're not going to wear that shirt. Uh, I was planning to. Oh, no, no, no. That shirt's too hot. Nobody dresses like that here. It was like having a mother right there. I mean, <laughs> then we dressed before I could go out. It's very strange. But anyway, after two weeks when we were leaving her apartment, she started weeping. She said, I can't believe you guys are leaving. And we had prayed specifically that the Lord would grant us favor in her eyes because we knew <clears throat> it could be a little bit tenuous there. But she said, you know, ever since you guys were here, whatever room I go in, it's like I have a breakthrough in prayer because you pray in this room and you pray in this room. And she said, I go in those rooms, I start praying. God does amazing things. There are acts of faith that he calls us to. I remember we were just your age. We were young, newly married, and we were driving back to New York from Indiana. And as we're driving, I mean, this is hundreds and hundreds of miles. And the muffler started going. I heard the muffler opening up and, and the exhaust system. And it's getting louder and louder. And, and I knew I had to get off because, you know, if that thing drops out, it can dig in the ground. And, and so we pull off this exit and we're looking all over and say, Lord, bring us to a muffler shop somehow. There was no, you know, let me check on my iPhone. There was none of that. There was no Internet. There was no iPhone. There was nothing. And it didn't, you know, all you had was a Rand McNally map. It doesn't list muffler shops. I mean, the, the, and we pulled off and we're looking around. We're just a muff, and then all of a sudden the exhaust system falls. And it's just like that. It digging into the ground as you're going forward. Stopped. Right there on the right. Car care muffler shop. <laughs> right there. I would have driven by it had the muffler, had the exhaust system not collapsed. I would have driven by and the guys came out and they lifted it up and we got in there and we got a new exhaust system put in. I mean, we have seen acts where you pray to God. You pray to God and God intercedes. Have there been times that I pray and I don't receive? Yes. But God is the one who dictates, not me. It's not about me. But what he does is he gives us in this chapter example after example of men of faith, of things that they did. So in verse 1, faith gives, gives us approval in verse 1 and 2. Verse 3, faith gives us understanding. We have understanding of the world that, that people don't normally have. In verse, in verse 4, faith brings righteousness. This is what it does. He gives us example after example. That's what this portion is about. We will continue this. This is a rich chapter. This is just too easy. It's too easy to teach out of this chapter. It is just an embarrassment of riches. Because every verse you can spend an entire Bible study on. Just looking at the lives. And it's just one verse after another. It's generally one verse per person, per patriarch in the Old Testament. He gives them one verse here. Now, with, with really amazing people like Abraham, they might have two or three verses. But generally, it's one verse. And then as you get near the end, he starts losing time and he you know, puts like four people in a verse. But each of these demonstrated there was an act of faith that he calls us to. Christian life is amazing. It teaches us how to walk, how to act, what to say, what is right, what is not right. This is the pattern that we use. 
the pattern that's been demonstrated to us in Scripture. And that optimizes our life. That optimizes our life. And when we walk in faith, many things come to us. Many things. You know, the most painful thing in my mind would be to go to heaven and to see all the things we left on the table because we lacked faith. What is that warehouse over there, Lord? Oh, that's all the stuff you could have had if you had had faith. How much do we leave on the table? Because we don't walk in faith. This is the demonstration of faith. And as we read through this, it's person after person. It's example after example. I have men that demonstrated faith to me. This is what demonstrates faith to us in the scriptures. This pattern. Let's pray. Abba, Father, I thank you so much for your word, for the truth of your word. I pray, Lord, for these young people that you would cause them to walk in faith, that they would learn to walk in faith of what you can do, of what you call us to, that which brings approval. Father, that which brings understanding, that which brings righteousness. Father, teach them to be giving. Freely they have received, freely they should give. Father, let them take the patterns they have seen before them and may it be demonstrated in their own lives. Father, your mercy upon these young people, your mercy upon them. Father, may they be rich and abundant in grace. For he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows much will also reap much. Father, may they walk in that, learning to take that which you have given them and sowing abundantly so that they may gather abundantly. Your grace be upon these young people, I pray, for the glory of Jesus. Amen.